This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today. May I welcome you to this telecast. Now today on our telecast, we're going to be speaking on this subject, be committed to a place. What place are we talking about? Stay tuned as we discuss that subject today. On Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. With the benefit of those who may be watching today for the very first time, we want to pause for just a moment so you can learn more about the course and so you can learn how you can receive the free Bible correspondence course. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580 or call toll free 1-877-711-5214 If then you were raised with Christ seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God Set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. I suppose that all people are committed to some particular place. It may be your home. You may be committed to your state. You may be committed to your community. But there's some place that we have in our mind that means a lot to us. But I want to ask a question. What is your real destination? Where are you headed in life? Our Lord in the Sermon on the Mount talked about destinations. In the seventh chapter of Matthew, verses 13 and 14, Jesus said, Enter ye in at the straight gate. Wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth unto destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. For straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Here Jesus is talking about two ways, two destinations, two places. I want to encourage you to be committed to the place that Paul wrote about in Colossians 3, 1 and 2, where he said, Seek those things which are above. Set your mind on things above. Is heaven on your itinerary? Is heaven 
your destination. If it's not, I want you to consider during this telecast to be committed to a place. There was a man by the name of Stephen Hawking who said, there is no heaven. That, that is a fairy tale for people who are afraid of the dark. There is no heaven. That's just a fairy tale. There was a survey taken just a short while ago, and it was learned from that survey that 74% of those who were surveyed believe there is a heaven. Do you really believe heaven is real? We can believe it. And there are some very obvious reasons as to why we should believe it's real. You, you can't be committed to it. You can't be committed to going to heaven and, uh, unless, first of all, you believe that it is a real place. We can believe that it's a real place because as a human being, I'm not adapted to remain in this world. I don't know whether you've noticed it or not, but people just don't stay here forever. Oh no, we're not adapted to stay here. In the second Corinthian letter, Paul wrote in the fourth chapter, verse 16, for which cause we faint not or do not lose heart. He said, while our outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. So that, that there is an outward man, there is an inward man. And that outward man is perishing day by day. The outward man is getting older day by day. And the older we get, the more changes take place in our outward man. And so when Paul said that outward man is perishing, he meant that eventually we're going to grow older and older, and then we're going to die. Solomon talked about that in the 12th chapter of Ecclesiastes. He was talking about man and man's uh, mortality and that man does not remain in this world forever. And in the first part of, of Ecclesiastes, the 12th chapter, he encourages men and women, boys and girls, to remember God. And the reason he does that is because of the evil days that are coming. And he talks in that chapter about growing older. He talks about the strong men bowing themselves. That would be the legs of man. And he talks about the grinders ceasing because there are few. He talks about the loss of our teeth as we get older. He wrote that before the invention, I suppose, of artificial teeth. And he talks about the fact that our eyesight will begin to dim. Those that look out of the windows are going to be darkened as we began to get older. And then, then he talks about the, the fact that there will be the graying of the hair as we get older. The almond tree will flourish. The almond tree, when it is in full bloom, is a 
beautiful array of white. And then he says, and the, the grasshopper will be a burden. As we get older, even those small, trivial things are, can become a great annoyance to us. But, but finally, Solomon said that man goes to his long home. And the mourners go about the streets. Or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken. Or the pitcher be broken at the fountain. Or the wheel be broken at the cistern. Then shall the dust return unto the earth as it was, and the Spirit unto God who gave it. And that cycle of life continues. We are born, we live, we grow older, we die. You see, we're just not adapted to stay here forever. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1, Paul said, For we know that if this earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So we're not going to stay here in this old physical body. There will be a time when this physical body will be changed into an incorruptible body, a body that will not be subject to disease or decay, and we will have that glorified body on life's other side. Those are Christians. What a glorious future indeed. We, we can believe heaven is real because people have always had a desire for a place like that. All people throughout the ages have had some, some belief in life that exists beyond this world. And Job asked the question that if a man dies, will he live again? And Jesus answered that question for us for time and eternity when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So we don't have to just long for it any longer. We can know that there is life to come. But all people have had the desire for that place. There is that longing. There's that, that uh, tugging within our hearts for a land that's fairer than day. And yet another reason that I suggest to you that we can believe that in the reality of the place called heaven is because of the nature of God. Now, God is a great God, and God is a God of, of justice. And how thankful we ought to be that our God is a God of justice. The question is asked in Genesis 18, verse 25, shall not the judge of all of the earth do right? And that's one of those questions that really answers itself. Yes, he will. Because that's the nature of God to do what is right, to be just with people. Now, for God to be just, God must punish those that violate his law. His justice demands that. And he will punish those who violate his law. There, there's really not a lot of justice in this old world. There, there is so much injustice in this world. There have been... There have been tyrants like Nero that, that sat on thrones and bathed the world with blood and tears and 
and, and crying and dying and sighing. And God is a just God. And He's going to reward those who live an ungodly life. But because of God's nature, because He's a God of justice, He's going to reward those who serve Him faithfully. And indeed, He will. You see, He prepared heaven for people that love Him, for people that obey Him, for people that serve Him, for people that are dedicated, for people that are faithful. God's justice demands that there be a place called heaven. But I suppose the main reason that I would tell you I believe it is because that's what I read in this Bible, that heaven is real. Somebody says, well, but Billy, don't you think that heaven is, is sort of uh, something that, that, that preachers made up maybe many years ago and, and they just kept teaching it and so the next generation picked it up and they taught it. In other words, you think that heaven is a human invention, that, that heaven was fabricated by man. That, that heaven, the idea of heaven is, a, is perhaps a, a carryover from another age. But, but that's to deny the, the credibility and the inspiration of the Bible, to deny the reality of heaven. Because the Bible teaches that it is real. Even Jesus himself taught it. When he taught, taught the disciples to pray, he taught them like this, to pray, Our Father which art in heaven. Our Father, which art in heaven. In that same chapter of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. And then he talked about the corrupting influences of those treasures if you do lay them up on earth, such as rust and moth and thieves. But then Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Did Jesus make it up? Absolutely not. Because Jesus came down from heaven. John 4, 34. Jesus said, I came down from heaven. John 6 and verse 38. He was in heaven with the Father before he came into this world. Philippians 2, verse 5 to verse 8. So Jesus said, heaven is real. It's real. Well, for instance, in the 14th chapter of John's gospel, Jesus was trying to comfort his disciples. And Jesus said to them, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. So if we believe in God, we're, we also believe in Jesus. And then he said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Well, that's another way of saying if it were not true, I would have told you. In my Father's house, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Why, Jesus says, heaven is real. I believe heaven is real because that's what this book teaches. That's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus, the divine Son of God, says, that heaven is real. In Philippians, the third chapter, in verse 20, the apostle there said, Let your citizenship, for your citizenship is in heaven. You see, if you're Christian, you have two addresses. You have an earthly address. You have a heavenly address. You're citizens not only of the nation where you may live, but you are citizen of that upward and better kingdom. You're a citizen of heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. And so heaven is real because that's what the Bible says. Why in Hebrews, the fourth chapter and verse 9, the scripture says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. And when we come to Jesus for rest, Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, and we become his child, Galatians 3, 26 and 27, ultimately we will find rest, sweet rest. In Revelation 14, 13, the scripture says, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Yea, henceforth saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Rest. Heaven is a rest. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. So you can believe heaven is real. You can believe heaven is real because that's exactly what the Bible is affirming. Now the question is, do you want to go to heaven? I do. And I want you to go as well. I want you to go to heaven because our heavenly Father is there. God is there. Jesus said, our Father who is in heaven. If there wasn't any other reason for me to want to go to heaven, other than that, that'd be sufficient, wouldn't it? I have been away from home at times of preaching the gospel. I've been out in foreign countries preaching the gospel. And one of the best things of the whole trip was being able to go back home to see my family. I'd been separated from my family and I wanted to be where they were. Right now, we are separated from God, that is, by the fact that He is in heaven and we're on earth. But it will not always be that way. I want to go to heaven because my heavenly Father is there. And I cannot begin to imagine what it will be like to appear in the presence 
with the Most High God. I, I want to go to heaven because it's got to be the most beautiful place that an individual will ever witness. I've seen some beautiful places. I've seen the Swiss Alps. I I've seen the mountains of, of uh, Tennessee, North Carolina, when they would turn those beautiful, gorgeous colors in the fall of the year. Beautiful. I've seen gardens filled with beautiful, beautiful flowers. One of the tourist spots near uh, Mobile, Alabama is called Bellingrath Gardens. And almost any time of the year when you go there, it's just teeming with color, with all kinds of beautiful flowers. I've just never seen anything any more beautiful. But if you were to take all of the beautiful, gorgeous things that you've seen in this world and put them all together, I don't believe they anywhere begin to compare with how beautiful heaven must be. As Paul said in the Corinthian letter, 1 Corinthians 2, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. I don't believe we've ever seen anything like it. We've never heard anything described to us the way heaven is going to be. I want to go because it is a beautiful place. Be committed to a place. Be committed to heaven. And I'm committed to heaven, and I want to go there, and I'm committed to going there, because I put treasures there. You remember I read from Matthew 6 a few minutes ago where Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. We spend a great portion of our time laying up treasures on this earth. But those treasures are subject to corrupting influences. Rather than doing that, let's lay up our treasures in heaven. We lay up treasure in heaven when we return to God liberally the, of some of the blessings that God has given to us. And we're to do that on the first day of the Lord's day, on the first day of the week, on the Lord's day. We give to God as we have been blessed and prospered. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. That's one way to lay up treasure in heaven. I believe that when we rear our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and help them to grow up to be strong, stalwart, faithful children of God and they live that faithful, dedicated Christian life, that just may be another way of our laying up treasure in heaven. I think there's so many ways that we do that. But I want to check up on the investments I've made, don't you? I've been making some investments in that place for a long, long time. I want to go to heaven. I'm committed to going there because I've laid up some treasure there. But I want to, be, to go to heaven and I'm committed to this place because Jesus asked me to come and he's invited me to come. When he said, come unto me all ye that labor 
and are heavy laden. That was an invitation to go to heaven. But you know, you've been invited to. I wonder, are you committed to going to heaven? Somebody says, well, Brother Lambert, what must we do to be committed to going to that place? Well, you need to have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You need to have your name written in heaven. In Luke, the uh, 17th chapter, uh, Jesus, or rather the 10th chapter in verse 17, Je Jesus was talking to the 70 who came back from what we sometimes refer to as the limited commission. And they came back rejoicing because the devils were subject unto them in the name of the Lord. Jesus said, you don't need to be rejoicing in that. He said, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Is your name written there? There's an old hymn that we sing, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When, when that roll is called, will your name be written in heaven? To have your name written in heaven, simply do what people of the first century did to have their names written there. And on the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached and he told people to repent and to be baptized for the remission of their sins, he was telling them how to have their names written in heaven. In Acts 18 and 8, many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. That's what they did to have their names written in heaven. Our Lord said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He was telling us how to have our names written in heaven. When the roll is called up yonder, will you be there? We do not have our names written in heaven by just thinking that it's there. We do not have our names written in heaven by being just good moral people. We do not have our names written in heaven by just being sincere. We do not have our names written in heaven by just having a mental ascent to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. To have our names written there, the Bible teaches that I must believe in Jesus, that I must repent of my sins, that I must confess my faith in Him and be baptized. And when I do that, the Lord will add me to His family he will add me to the church, and I will be a Christian and just a Christian and nothing more than a Christian. Be committed. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Be committed to a place. I want to invite you to visit the church of Christ in your community. And also right now, I encourage you to call for the free Bible correspondence course. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580.
or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.